praise God. Just wanted to share some verses from God's word that we can read from the screen together and and then take those into a, a time of prayer together. And as we do that, what I pray just now, I, I think is so crucial for us as we go into prayer that we we capture what is on the heart of God. That I think is, is partly why it's so good to come together and, and praise him and worship him together first because it brings our attention onto him. And so it's important to have his word before us and to be reminded of his word. And so the, the verses that... Um, I'd like us to read together, first of all, are taking, taken from the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 9, just uh, four verses there. And it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages and he was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God and healing every sickness and every disease among people. He wasn't just preaching it. He was doing it as well. This is the kingdom of God. How many of you know that there's no sickness in heaven? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Which are words that Jesus instructed us to pray. That is one part of what we mean. How many of you know there's no sin in heaven? That's right. There's no suffering. Mm -hmm. so, so God wants his kingdom to come to earth. Amen. We're not just waiting at a bus stop for the heavenly bus to come and pick us up. We're actually bringing heaven to earth just as Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Then we get an insight into the feelings, the emotions of Jesus. It says that he looked and he saw the crowds, the multitudes. And he was moved with compassion. He didn't just feel compassion, that compassion moved him. You know how it is when you see a situation and you you feel sorry or you feel sad, but then there are sometimes when that sorrow grips you so much that you know you have to do something. It moves you to action. You see a person who's suffering and, and you say, can I pray for you? you? You embrace them. It moves you to action. Jesus was moved with compassion for them. And this was why. Because as he looked at them, he saw that they were weary, worn out. And that word weary, it doesn't just mean physically tired. It means their whole being was like empty. They were running on empty. They were scattered like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. Can you imagine they were empty and yet they were still running around even though they were empty, but nobody was there. To lead them. And yet they lived in a, in a land where there were loads of so-called religious leaders. They were still empty and they had no shepherds. And he said to his disciples, this, is, this was his response. 
This was the response of Jesus when he saw that scene. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful. It's, it's enormous. There's no problem with the harvest. It's big. But the laborers are few. And so he painted this picture as he saw these precious people empty and with no aim and no purpose in their life, with no direction and no one to lead them spiritually. Nobody was, nobody was leading them to the Heavenly Father. The religious people were simply drawing those, those, those confused and empty people to their own religion. They weren't revealing God. And there were multitudes of them. And Jesus said to his disciples, look, can you see what I see? Can you see when you look into the eyes of those people? Do you see what I see? Can you see what they're like? What they're suffering? And there are multitudes. There are thousands upon thousands of them. And if the kingdom of God is underpopulated, it's not because the harvest is too small. Jesus put his finger right on the issue. He said there aren't enough laborers. There are not enough people who are going out in amongst the multitudes of people who are lost in sin and dying in sickness and being led astray and deceived by corrupt religious leaders. There are not enough shepherds. There are not enough laborers that are going in amongst them. To bring life and healing and direct them to the Heavenly Father. And so this was Jesus identifying what the issue was. You see, when we, let me say this very quickly. When we have a challenge or an issue in our life and we don't know what the answer is. That's why we need to pray. Not because it's our religious duty and it's a magic action that we do. No, because Jesus will identify exactly what needs to happen. Okay. If I'm struggling with an area of addiction or a lifestyle habit that I can't break. There's only one person who can always tell me what it is I need to deal with. He will always be true and he will always be honest and he'll always be loving. Therefore, he will always tell us when our hearts Want to know. And Jesus put his finger right on the issue on that day. Harvest, nothing wrong with it. Nothing, it's a bumper harvest. The, 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 the trees are full of fruit. Problem is, nobody's willing to go out and take the harvest in. So Jesus said, pray. And Jesus gave a very specific instruction. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends out laborers into, listen, his harvest. I think 
as Jesus looks at our world today, I think his emotions are exactly the same because the harvest is still great. You and I meet every day people and some of them have never even heard the name Jesus in this country. I know that. And what hope do they have unless they hear the name Jesus? None whatsoever. And our world is, 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 is saturated with people who still would come into the category of that harvest. But it isn't just any harvest. It is the Lord's harvest. My wife Joe, Pastor Joe, we were in a we were in a prayer prayer meeting in a church building and some some years ago now. And the Holy Spirit of God just spoke this into into Pastor Joe's heart and she cried it out. It was the word of God speaking about lost people, they're all mine, the Lord was saying. They're all mine. And, and sometimes we can think of people that are lost almost as projects, our little project. But actually they're the Lord's harvest. They're his possession. That's how precious they are. We may not always see them. We may sometimes see them as a nuisance, as an inconvenience, as a pain in the neck. But they're actually very precious because they still belong to the Lord. Just they haven't found him yet. And so he said, pray. And I believe I felt such a burden as, we, as I was preparing for this evening that this is what we're to pray this evening because the situation, I believe, is at least still the same. There are still multitudes. And I believe that as, as those that God has called to himself, this is our responsibility to pray for Laborers. What does that mean? Let's put it really bluntly, shall we? We're going to pray for people who are willing to love the lost more than themselves. Who are going to put their agendas to one side so that they can reach out to the multitudes who are weary, empty, like scattered sheep and having no one to lead them. That's a laborer. Somebody who will go into the field of harvest. Not wait for the apples to roll to them. Not waiting for the potatoes to jump out of the ground and come to them. But we're praying for laborers who will actually go and lift the harvest, collect the harvest. Bring souls to Jesus. People who will identify with this huge global need. And that doesn't necessarily mean we have to give our day jobs up. Because our day jobs probably are right where those multitudes are. I want to read another scripture to you. We're going to do more than pray for laborers. Similar sort of scripture but out of Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 of his followers and he sent them two by two 
before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And again, we have this acknowledgement of what was going on around him. Jesus said, look, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, into his harvest. But in this account, there is an extra instruction. They weren't just to go and lock themselves away in some closet and pray that God will stir somebody's heart up with conviction and they will go. What did he say to them? Go yourself as well. Yeah? And they went. You read Luke chapter 10. They went and did what Jesus told them to do. And they came back rejoicing because exactly what Jesus said would happen, did happen. Because the people were very needy. Our world is a very needy world. In every way. Every way. It is racing headlong to hell. That's the reality of it. And the Lord still needs laborers. And he still needs us to go. And I believe that the Holy Spirit this evening wants to stir something in our hearts. This, this, this is not some kind of emotional trip that the Holy Spirit would have us to go on. Where we grum together, we read some verses that we make, make us feel convicted. We, 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 we kind of feel motivated to pray some prayers, maybe of repentance because we haven't done it. Or praying for people to be raised up. And then, and then, and then tomorrow something else is on the agenda. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit, as we come together to meet with God, wants to work a work in our hearts that changes us. Brother Weston prayed that we would be changed tonight. And, and this is not the Lord rebuking us or, or telling us off. This is actually the Lord commissioning us. This is him just telling us what it is that he has left us here on earth to accomplish. And so I wondered when I read this through again today, I wondered what, what the feelings of those disciples were. You know, sometimes we might pray, God, give me love for the lost. I don't know that they had love, too much love for the lost. Because Jesus said, you're going to go to some places and, and they're not actually going to love you. I, I don't think they were necessarily waiting for the goosebumps and the lovely feelings for them to go. There was no promise that everybody would welcome them with open arms. They simply heard what the Lord said, saw that what he was opening their eyes to see was reality, was a, a living reality in front of their eyes. And even though they didn't have a full comprehension of the kingdom of God. They still went. They still did what the Lord told them. And I do believe that this evening. God the Holy Spirit. Wants to. Set some things in our hearts. To help us. To see. From God's perspective. 
to help us to see what is really happening in our world around us. Just before we came out, Pastor Joe and I were looking at at a kind of a report from those Boston bombings. And it was hard just to see what humanity is doing to humanity. And the question always rises up, why? And the singular word comes back as the true answer, sin. This, this world needs to be delivered from sin. And the only one that can deliver it from sin is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can bring hope. There is no politician. There is no political party. There is no NGO. There is no volunteer organization. There is no doctrine. There is no theology other than the teaching of Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus that will deliver this world from sin. And we are the bearers of that good news. If, if it has come to dwell inside of us, and I believe it has, then let us be distributors of that life. We have freely received of the ultimate gift that God could ever give to us, his own life. Let us be bearers and and distributors and preachers and tellers and doers of his word as well. God's not asking for sacrifice. Oh, God wants me to give up even more of my time. Well, he should have all of it anyhow. True? Ever sung, Jesus, your Lord of all? That's what it means. He has everything. And I believe we're coming into an era of this world where there is a demand coming on the body of Christ to do what we say we are, to be what we say we are. I believe that as time passes, as we look around us with ever-increasing frequency, as the prophets have prophesied, the darkness is getting darker. We don't have to go looking for it. And so this is the call to us. To do what? To hide? No. To arise. To arise. And shine. For your light has come. That prophecy came to the nation of Judah in a time when they were not only rebelling against God, but the nations around them were in horrendous sin against God. And then Isaiah began to bring prophetic words of of the salvation of the coming Messiah. I'll tell you tonight, the Messiah has come. Salvation has been bought. We have eternal life to give away. We have the best news to preach. So let's join hearts tonight. I've said enough. I want the Holy Spirit to continue to speak into our hearts. Let's join our hearts together tonight. And we're praying as Jesus has commanded those of his followers to. We're praying to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And at the same time, we're, we're praying that whatever is in our lives that prevents us from going 
And bringing that harvest in. That the, we this, this evening, we surrender that to God. And that God the Holy Spirit comes into our life and works an eternal work within us. Now in this we meet with God one on one, of course. God will speak into our hearts. But let us also cry out for the nation's church. That he would work this throughout the whole of the body. Amen. Throughout the whole of the body. That this would dominate our lives. That we would become as a church. A laboring church. A harvest gathering church. And, and not just in the Himalayas. But here. Right here. Right now. So let's go into prayer. Let's really seek God's heart on this. Let him speak to your heart. Let him, let him brand his words in your hearts. And then as, as we come to the close of our prayer time, we'll have time where we can just speak and, and lead, lead one another in time of prayer. So let's, let's get before God right now.